Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. said before I'm in a different place and as a player I'm a little older now and I got a family now and I really love living in St. Louis obviously playing with Goldie, Wayno, those are things that uh, I don't take for granted because they're some of the greatest players I ever played this game and Albert and Yachty and I just want to hold up my end of the bargain in St. Louis. Nolan Arenado with Derek Gould at stltoday.com telling Derek that uh, when he came here, he wanted to end his career in St. Louis. Now he essentially will. Greg Amsinger of MLB Network had a similar interview with Nolan Arenado a couple of months ago, and uh, he joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I love this topic to start our conversation. Yes, I did have an interview with Nolan Arenado during the MVP show. He was a finalist for the award as teammate obviously won it in Paul Goldschmidt. And I said to him as I let up the question, we'll never see this again. We will never see a guy who became a finalist for most valuable player who isn't over the age of 35, who could easily opt out and cash in, make more money, and he decides not to opt out. It'll be the last time you ever see that in the sport. Greg, there are many, many Cardinal fans, not a, not all, but but many Cardinal fans who are dissatisfied with the Cardinals' competitive level. Uh, you, fortunately, are not on social media to see this, but you talk to a lot of baseball players. What do baseball players think about the Cardinals' ability to compete on a year-in, year-out basis? Uh, the players don't get it. The players don't understand what all the fans of St. Louis are upset about. The, all the players know is it's a great place to play. They notice it when they're playing against the Cardinals. They realize that players are incredibly happy when they are a Cardinal. You see guys that wear the uniform for their entire careers like Wayno and Yachty, and they love it. They see that guys get gigantic contract extensions. They see that they have terrific farm system talent that come up, and they're completely developed and ready for the big leagues. Uh, they see ownership that supports not just the on-field product, but everything goes around the ballpark and, and the atmosphere and the culture and what it's like to be a Cardinal fan. It, to, to a player, they see a team that always wins. They see a team that's got people in the seats every single home game. They don't understand what the spoiled St. Louis Cardinal fans are complaining about. They just don't. And as a St. Louisan who grew up loving the Cardinals, I am with you. I was also spoiled. That's why I'm so happy on MLB Network. If I grew up in Miami and I went through all those horrible years, the Marlins, which they're still going through, I'd probably be a bit more cynical. I mean, for example, just compare the personalities of me and my colleague, Matt Vaskersian. He's a lifelong <laughs> Oakland A's fan. He makes fun of people. He's angry a lot. He's very bitter. 
I'm happy. I smile. You can't wipe the smile off my face. Why? Because I'm a Cardinal fan. Hey, hey, we're spoiled. We just got to get over it. <laughs> we were talking about, uh, we had a text to say that, that the entertainment factor for the Cardinals is not always there. And I, I I had a rebuttal saying last season may have been the most entertaining season, regular season that I have ever seen in, in, in my lifetime watching the Cardinals. What is your thoughts on that? I mean, you had Albert and his chase. You had Yachty and Wayno with what they were doing. You got two uh, top three MVP candidates and one winning it. I felt like last season was the most entertaining season for Cardinal baseball in my 38 years of 38 37 years of watching it no doubt but i'm i'm going to quote one of my goofy friends named Nick Barelli B A R R A L E in case you know him personally you can make fun of him <laughs> what he says all the time is well if it didn't end with a championship it doesn't matter it's not entertaining uh, are you morphing into a yankee fan are cardinals are cardinals morphing into mets fans where and, and this is what i've come to learn covering all 30 teams especially living in the Northeast, Yankee fans and Met fans enjoy losing more than they enjoy winning. When their team's winning 100 games a year, they get quiet. You forget that they're a baseball fan. They walk around. They're never talking about baseball. So then when they get booted and they they lose in, in, in the wild card series or in the ALCS, NLCS, then they complain they're back to being their, no, their normal selves again. Oh, we want Cashman out. They they want every they want to win the championship every year. It's so irrational, and I don't know where fans in St. Louis slip down that rabbit hole. Where did rationality become obsolete? Where it's not a necessity anymore? My friends, all the time they bury John Mozeliak. John Mozeliak's going in the Hall of Fame. Get over it. The guy builds a winner every single year. Oh, but he doesn't win a World Series every single year. That's irrational. <laughs> so we need to stop being irrational. Baseball fans in St. Louis, go get a really good therapist because your spouse doesn't need to hear about this. Your coworkers don't need to hear about this. Your parents don't need to hear about this. Go get a therapist that you only talk baseball with. You can call me. I, I, I charge a lot an hour. But I will spar with you about Cardinal baseball for an hour. You can sit on my couch, by the time you get out of there, you'll realize your life is actually blessed. Nick Borelli, how's the view from under that bus? <laughs> Man, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Greg. Hey man, I don't live there. So you guys can that. <laughs> Greg, we did a poll yesterday, and we have almost 8,800 votes on this poll. The question is, when Trevor Bauer clears waivers, should the Cardinals sign him for the minimum for their rotation? 48.1% of the 8,800 votes saying yes, 51.9% saying no. Where does Greg Amzinger come down? It's unbelievable. This is such a hard topic. Um, look, he didn't you know, go to prison. Um, he went through due process. Uh, still, we know what we know, and it's awful. The details are terrible. Uh, it's a PR nightmare if you run an organization. It just is. Um, I, the way I look at it, and, and, you know, I, and, I, and I hate saying this, the only way I would kick the tires on this guy, who I actually got to know personally. He moonlighted with us uh, during the postseason for about two weeks. Trevor Bauer, early on in his career, uh, came and visited, and, and we did shows with him. And he's a very, you know, analytically driven athlete, and, and he thinks outside the box. And 
you know, he, he, he would, he told me this was years ago. This is probably year two of his career uh, that he would never sign a long-term contract, nothing longer than three years uh, that he would want to bet on himself every year. And if it was up to him, he would break the AAV record every single year by signing one-year contracts, and it would guarantee that he would always be in a winning environment. He'd be traded at the deadline because he believed he'd be putting up great numbers, and he'd always be pitching in the postseason because he would sign nothing but one-year contracts. So the way I look at this, he, he, he's a driven guy. He's a nightmare from a public relations standpoint, no question about it. He has rubbed so many former teammates the wrong way. I mean, the Dodger, Dodgers didn't want him around, okay? And, 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 and I personally wouldn't sign him. I'll put it that way. I, I personally would not sign him. There are other ways to win. You don't need to do it. But if I was under the gun and I did not have enough starting pitching and I was told by my owner, if you don't build a winner this year, if we don't go to the playoffs, you're fired, okay? And I was, I was on the hot seat. I would, I would sign this guy to the league minimum, and I would tell him only show up every fifth day. And that is an outside-the-box idea, but I would say, dude, we don't need you in the clubhouse. We don't need you around us. Just show up every fifth day. I mean, essentially, there were great pitchers back in the day that did this anyway. I mean, Randy Johnson had no idea what was going on. The other four days, he, he basically was doing the same thing. Uh, Roger Clemens, very similar. Um, this guy, it, it, unlike those two, he, he really doesn't mesh well in a clubhouse. Uh, if I signed him, I would say only show up on the day you pitch. And then once you're done, you can take the, the, the Escalade that's waiting for you with your name in the window and just go wherever you need to go. That's the way I would do it with this guy. Greg, the uh, saga of Carlos Correa finally ended six years, $200 million, uh, signing with the Twins. Have you ever seen anything like that? And, and does he is he ever able to make up that $150 million that he missed out on by uh, not passing those physicals? Uh, it, it's so sad, man. Um, you know, I rarely agree with Scott Boris uh, ever. And listening to the press conference yesterday, what he said was actually on point. You know, if a former team still wants to sign a player, that is the greatest compliment to a free agent. And for the Giants and the Mets to still back away, it was, that's what, I mean, he didn't miss any time over this injury. It's almost as if everyone got quiet, quiet. Do you hear that? There's something ticking in his ankle. Hold your ear up to Carlos Correa's ankle. You can hear a ticking noise. Was there a bomb in there? Like, what is going on? <laughs> well, why is it that we just know this this limb is going to blow up in six to seven years? It, it's 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 insane. So we never had a medical professional from either one of those two organizations, the Giants or the Mets, sit down and answer questions as to why they know. Tell us why you know this has no shot of being sustainable. This surgery that he went through in 2014 when he's in the minor leagues, may I remind you, he was the former number one overall pick. Are you telling me the Houston Astros didn't have the best surgeon money could buy to go into this guy's body and fix this injury? So I am blown away by this. Um, He has suffered no pain. He had one moment where it was tagged. It hit his plate, the glove did, and he said it went numb for a bit. And I feel like that honesty, that that candor that he had – in the 2022 season, playing for the Twins, when he took him a while to get up, he stayed in the game, never was removed. But after the game was asked about it, that quote, that direct quote, cost him $100 million. Wow. It's hard for me to, to fathom that, but his honesty in that moment 
more than likely cost him $100 million. Amazing. Hey, Greg, I got a tough one for you. Felix Hernandez is going into the Mariners Hall of Fame. Should Felix Hernandez be a baseball Hall of Famer? It's, oh, man, he is literally on the borderline. Totally, isn't he? I, I think he is. And the way I look at it, and I hate saying this, but was there a moment in his career where when I look at players, especially starting pitchers, for five seasons, were they leaps and bounds better than other Hall of Fame pitchers? And 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 he checked that box. Yeah. You could go through a lot of Hall of Fame pitchers where he was by far better. And Greg, let me just quick give for people that aren't aware, between 2009 and 2014, here's where he finished in the Cy Young voting in the American League. Second, first, not on, not in the top 10, fourth, eighth, second. He's the right-handed Johan Santana, right? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's dominance for a smaller amount of time that I believe we need to start recalibrating Hall of Fame resumes. What does that mean? We're not going to see pitchers throw 200 innings for 20 years. We're not going to see another 300-game winner. It's just it's not going to happen. So all of the numbers that we believe are important for Hall of Fame pitchers are going to go by the wayside, and we have to start reimagining what a Hall of Fame starting pitching resume looks like. And this guy's got the hardware. He was a face of an organization. I mean, when you're a starting pitcher and you are by far the biggest star of an organization, that adds to what? It adds to your fame. It's the Hall of Fame. And he was famous. And I I just think he's someone that we really need to kick the tires on because when he was right, I'll never forget an interview he did with uh, Harold Reynolds in spring training. This is after he won his first Cy Young Award. Harold goes, okay, so you throw five pitches. And all of them by scouts are deemed plus pitches. What's your favorite? And he goes, all of them. <laughs> and, he, and he pitched that way. He pitched that way. He could get you out with all of his weapons. Um, it's unfortunate the way his career ended. Mm-hmm. But guess what? That happens to players that aren't cheating. So when you're not doing PEDs, father time tells you you're not good anymore. And that's what happened to Felix Hernandez. I think he, we need to take a close look at his Hall of Fame resume. Hey, Greg, we were talking about Hall of Fame votes last weekend, and we were saying that if a person doesn't select anyone, they should be removed from being allowed to vote. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the people that vote for the Hall of Fame, that needs to be an honor that you're handpicked and selected for. And we should know who's handpicking you. I mean, we've got guys that watch one team. They follow one team every single day. And last time you asked me about this, I got a little bitter and sweaty because I know a few people. I know a few people that watch all 30 teams. Matter of fact, they're not allowed to leave until all 30 teams are done playing every night. And, 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 and you know, through this pure osmosis, you just the, the information of all these players seep into their mind. Now, if you don't think that's enough, maybe I know a few other people that not only watch all 30 teams play every single night, but they cover the MLB draft. And, they, and, and therefore, they knew all the Hall of Famers before they even broke into the big leagues. So they knew what they were like out of high school and out of college. We need to reimagine who votes for this stuff because there's clear bias injected into all of it. And the one thing I will say, we need to get rid of the public votes until after the election. The group think that goes on is so nauseating. We have a bunch of people that really don't care. So they're not going to upset the apple cart and they're finding out who everyone else is voting for. So they just fall in line. What are we doing? 
Like, I, I, I can't stand that. No public vote, even though I'm, when I cover the Hall of Fame election announcement coming up in a few weeks, I will be talking about here are the public votes that are out there. It looks like it's, you know, it's going to be a good ballot for Scott Rowland. I don't want to hear about that. Keep it to yourself. Make this a, a real altruistic vote. And I want to hear what you think. Uh, but I, I can't stand the group that votes for this. Not all of them. But I think we need to reimagine the electorate because there are more qualified people that cover all 30 teams equally. And we need to give them some merit. Final thing for Greg Amzinger, one of my best friends in the world. And Greg, as you know, I love this platform on our show because I have the opportunity to do things of a charitable endeavor with the golf tournament and trivia nights and uh, do as as much as I can for the community. But the other thing I can do with this platform is put my good friends on the spot. As an employee of Major League Baseball, I'm going to be in Arizona on March 8th when the Giants play the United States World Baseball Classic team. And I need tickets for that game. <laughs> oh wow! Hey, you're in luck. I, I am also very charitable, Randy, and I care for downtrodden and uh, a, a, a man that grinds every morning in a studio and has tattoos of blue Stanley Cups on his body. <laughs> you do this for the fans, man. And I understand how hard you work and how little credit you get for everything you do. So I will make sure, Randy, that I give to you. I give back to you, and I give you tickets to that game. You're the king. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for putting you on the spot there, but I couldn't just do it in uh, a no, text because you're like, hell no. Clearly, I can handle that. <laughs> you're the best. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, guys. See you, brother. That is uh, our friend Greg Amsinger, a uh, native of St. Louis, a product of the Lindenwood University and uh, the lead anchor for MLB Network.